Welcome to the Directors UK podcast. We're the professional association for UK film and TV directors. No matter the format, no matter the genre, our featured directors share their approach to the craft. We hope you enjoy. First of all, well done guys on uh, making this film. I was just saying to you, I've watched it twice now and you know, enjoyed it even more the second time around. And noticed things the second time around that I didn't notice the first time around so um for those of you who've only watched it once I recommend watching it <laughs> twice um but I just want to start off uh with both of you let's start with you Tom just your story I think about how you became um a director I know you you direct edit and produce but just give me a little bit of your journey to where you got to today um well firstly thank you for the lovely uh, introduction and thanks for having us directors uk and sean it's an honor to be here um <clears throat> uh, in a nutshell i uh started off uh professionally as an editor uh eventually was a television editor in australia and then here in the uk uh and at some point um i started making my own documentary a feature documentary in my own time outside of my editing work editing tv um and eventually finished it and then started another one and then eventually finished that and in the meantime just sort of managed to by by by, by doing that process developed a skill set that um of directing and delivering a film um that expanded beyond just the edit my skill set is expanded the skill set beyond the edit and um eventually was able to get some work as a director and um that led me to making some features and some series and and then this one were there any surprises for you when you became a director like things that you weren't expecting in that role sort of coming from editing yeah the le- the legal review <laughs> compliance process <laughs> yeah that that I that was that was that's always been that's that was quite a shock when I, that kicked in, I guess. Um, in terms of process, uh, I, I, no, not really. I, you know, I, I dealt with a lot of commissioners in the edit, you do, you, as you tend to. So you get you get a, a front front hand experience with that. So that was that was that that's been fairly similar. Um, yeah. I think the pressure is obviously different. That's probably the main thing. It's sort of you're the one that has to deliver something <clears throat> whereas the editor you're working with materials that you've inherited as the director you you're the one that has to create the material and in my case I have to create and then edit it so it's quite a that's that's kind of interesting but um that must help right if you if you know how to edit a lot of directors go out and they you know they don't do a lot of editing and so you think it makes a difference to the way you direct if you know how to edit yeah it does 100%. in what kind of way um um i i i I, well because we'll go into this i guess but we i I pre-script the films i pre-script the films now by way of hard one experience of what happens when you don't pre-script them uh and and when as soon as i start scripting something i can start i can immediately see oh i'm going to need to picture this this is going to at the end i'm the one that's going to have to find pictures to cover all this content (laughs) so and because i've had lots of experience of what that requires i immediately can can work out oh well i've got some gvs of this or i've got some great archive of this or i've got this or that this or that so i i can um i can um uh 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 uh, uh, uh what's a, a portion resources 
I think yeah. well. And also, I guess I can, I, I, I can, I, it enables me to perhaps visualize, what, you know, inventive ways to get us through sequences and things like that uh, on another level, maybe. It must be really helpful, I think. Um, Nick, what about you? You were a story consultant um, yeah. with this film. It's not a credit we see on every single film that goes out there. So tell me a bit about your background and what that means to be a story consultant. Sure. So. So my, my, my pathway to this is that I, uh, sort of unlike Tom, I grew up within the kind of TV system, uh, you know, researcher, AP, director uh, for a long time. I was actually chair of Directors UK Statual Committee for five or six years. So that was my kind of world. And then um, just for sort of family and life reasons, stepped away from the sort of front line of, of directing into series producing, exec producing. Um, and then four years ago or thereabouts, decided to pivot. And um, we'll probably talk about how Tom and I sort of first encountered, encountered each other. But it was sort of a, a sort of situation that Tom found himself in that led me into this new world of independent docs and, you know, sitting in an edit suite and kind of helping him to kind of solve a few challenges that were were there, the infrastructure around him to, to, um, to, to solve them all himself. Um, and just opened a, a sort of portal into this kind of new way of thinking and seeing the skill set that I had. You know, I'm, I, I am, without wanting to sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm good and always have been a very good storyteller. I'm not a creative visionary. I'm not, I'm not that kind of director that is going to myself get the kind of opportunities to, to do that next Netflix series. I haven't got that kind of visual flair, but I'm a really good interrogating the story kind of person. So, so I set myself in that kind of space. Um, and for a while, I was working purely in, in the independent sector, and then increasingly, it started to filter into the TV landscape as well as people have realised that there can be a need for this. And it's basically to, to sort of answer your question: what 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 my business card says, um, editorial support and troubleshooting. You know, and basically breaking that down, um, I'm, I'm brought in by filmmakers and production companies, um, either at the start of the process, which is the ideal space where. As Tom talked about the importance of pre-scripting, you know, you, you sort of nut it out, you, you roadmap it, you troubleshoot it, you know, at, at that stage to make sure that um, it's all working smoothly. Um, or at the other end of things, in the edit, where things maybe aren't working out quite so well, largely because that front-end stuff hasn't been done <laughs> properly very, very often. Um, and there is a kind of Mr. Fix-It, if you like, to try and come in and, and, and help, um, you know, steer things to, to safety. Um, and it's not that people can't do this themselves, you know, but but uh, you know, d directing filmmaking can be quite an isolating experience. And, and even if there's an exec in the room, you know, lots of production companies obviously have that exec system baked in and, and skill set that I have is not necessarily different to, to them if they're good. Um, but but what I can bring is that kind of time and that ability to get in the trenches with filmmakers and just be there, you know, as their kind of wingman, if you like, to just interrogate and make sure that you know everything is is um, is feeling safe and secure, and they're supported through that process. Fantastic. And how did the two of you meet? Like, and and what was that decision for you to work together like this? Not and and sort of move from the independent world into the TV world as well as the sort of duo working together. Should I do the meeting story and then? No, you do the meeting story, and I'll tell I'll tell how we ended up working like this. Right. So, so how we met is is I was a series producer at the time. This was in 2015. Wow. Was it okay? Mm. So 2015, uh, I was a series producer, and uh, I'd inherited a film that had not been 
particularly successfully executed, um, shall I say. Uh, and Tom, which is probably down to me as much as anything else, frankly. Um, and Tom uh, was an editor at the time, as far as I knew, that's what he was doing. Uh, and so he was offered up to me as an editor who could uh, sit in the space and help me with this. And so I gave Tom a bit of a grilling as to whether he's someone I wanted to sit and work with or trusted with this space. Um, and uh, quickly understood that this guy is is uh, phenomenal in, in all kinds of ways. Firstly, just a, a force of positivity and energy and, and you know, all the things that you kind of want to have around you um, when you're feeling a bit stuck and, uh, you know, and, and not sure which way to go. But also just to add to what Tom said not answering his pre the previous question you asked um what he brings as an editor in as a skill set uh is is not uh just nuts and bolts you know picturing he he's always looking for those or, or sees those extra kind of layers or the ways to, the way to use pictures in kind of clever ways that, that just add meaning into things so so you know i was very much enjoying that process of sitting with him in that space but while that was all going on uh every so often slightly annoyingly tom would be taking phone calls uh, where he was clearly trying to remote direct some sort of nonsense project he was, you know, pretentiously thinking he could he could pull off, um, which uh, which I ended up kind of supporting him in that. And, and when our when our time together officially ended, I, I offered him, you know, to sort of be an ally in that journey with him. And, and I mean, you can take up the story of that, that film. Was, Sophie, that was the cancer conflict. I was in the middle right. of filming that, right? And while I was in the edit, one of the contributors was dying. And I was like, sorry, I have to take this call. And Nick was like, he was, my version of the story was Nick was curious. Mm. Um, and um, and we got talking about it. And um, because we got, we actually, what I found with Nick in the edit was we we had this great synergy in terms of the story process, the cre like the, cracking the story of it. We had really good synergy, which, as you know, is is not something that always comes along in that creative space editorially. So, and also, you know, I'd done enough editing and storytelling, uh, 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 filmmaking to know that a real someone who's really good at storytelling when I come across one, and Nick, Nick was really is really good at it, much better than I was and am. And I was like, oh. I want to, I, I would love the chance to collaborate, you know, more, whatever space that is. And we just happen to get along. At, you know, we also share a sense of humour. So we we ended up just talking a lot socially and that developed into, hey, can can you have a look at the trailer that I'm trying to put together for Cancer Conflict, which developed into, hey, can you have a look at some of these rushes? And then, you know, it uh, Nick was just interested in it. And I think you're also interested, Nick, you're at a turning a, a, a crossroads in your career where you were moving into execing yeah. from directing and series producing. So you were kind of trying to feel your way around, well, what do I want to do? <clears throat> and there was something exciting about the independent space that I was in that, that appealed to you, I think, or you yeah. said to me. So, yeah, so that and then what happened was then what happened was in terms of us working this way, I started working with um, I was making a film. Nick consulted on a bunch of films that I was working on. And then I was working on a film called The Spy Fell to Earth, which was very, very independent, ended up on ended up on Netflix, which was wonderful. But it was so complicated. I bit off way more than I could chew when I started making that film. It's three, three complex storylines all working in conjunction one in the 70s one in the 2000s and one in the in 2010s or something like that and they all have to intersect and interweave and all sort of stuff and it was and I was editing it it was just a very small team just me and I got to a point with the edit where I was like okay I need I need some help and Nick came in and helped and it was I think that job that solidified you 
wanting to do more of this story consulting but also from then I was like okay it and I've just wanted to work with you since whenever I can so I get that right in the independent world that it's good and especially when you're editing and directing and producing your films that to have someone else like Nick come on board and you know two brains are better than one right and that works really well what happens when you translate that into the world of um, an ITV platform feature doc when you've got executive producers and commissioners and another layer of people who come in like does that how does that work? Because you could imagine that that could go wrong, right? Well, this is interesting, actually, because it was tested on this film, Missing Millionaire S. And and you because you have to understand with Missing Millionaire S, we had two amazing execs on this film because Nick wasn't an exec. He's a story consultant. The execs we had were Fiona, Fiona Caldwell. And if anyone has ever worked with her, she's literally the best exec I've ever one of the if not the best one of the best I've ever worked with. And um, and Fatima Salaria, who was the head of Naked at the time, and I, when they interviewed me for the job, I said, "Look, this is how I work." Uh, you know, I had, I had I had a track record to show that I'd worked this way successfully. I said, "Are you okay with me working this way?" And I'd worked this way enough to know that by the time I ever show an edit to an exec or a commissioner, it's in really good shape. It's in really, really good shape. Lots of problems have been solved, et cetera. And if we've listened to what the requirement from the channel or commissioner is, then, um, <clears throat> you know, usually that any fallout I, I, I felt would be minimized. And and in the case of Missing Millionaire S, it was perfect because Nick had worked with Joe Clinton Davis, the commissioner, and with ITV extensively, which was one of the reasons why Nick could be perfect for this, because he knows the ITV language, the audience, which in a way that I absolutely didn't, right? And I'm like, well, Nick will be the catch-all for the ITV factor that I'm just going to bugger up if it's if, if I'm left to my own devices, right? So, so it worked, and it worked as a result. Fiona and Fatima were, were, were wonderful creative partners on the project, but editorially they let us solve the, the problems in the way that I've, we've just been doing I've been doing ever since that's great to hear that's really- I gave so obviously I spoke to, to Fiona very early on myself because she was like what is this how's this work yeah so and and, and um the way I put it to her is, is that you know I, I will just I will take the strain of this editorially for you you know you can worry about all the other stuff you've got to do you've got other projects you're you're managing um this works you know the great the great joy that I have now in doing this is that my job isn't to direct things, right? It's, I, these aren't Nick Guttridge films. You know, Nick Guttridge is, is is kind of dialing into what the filmmaker wants to achieve and 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 making sure that filmmaker's vision is as strong as it can be, whoever they are. And that's that's I, I love that as as, as a space to, to be in. Um, so I'm, I'm you know I'm there purely to support the filmmaker really in in, in getting the best out of their project. There will always be another person above that, even in in the independent sector. You know, there's always be somebody who is in charge of the company or or a client or whatever who's going to feed into that process but it's, it's just an extra bit of road testing and I, I remember saying quite this is very unlike me but quite boldly sort of saying to, to Fiona you know if you're prepared to trust us on this we don't have bad viewings <laughs> you know it works you know and and we were right right <laughs> it was a bold thing to say but but that is that is the case sorry go on there's just something about the way this works that you know you've got you've got clever people who are good at their jobs 
Um, and it's just an extra bit of fine tuning and strength testing and road testing. It just, it just you know, if, if you get your ducks in a row properly, good things tend to happen, you know, as a result of that. Um, and obviously unpredictable stuff comes up and we'll, we'll talk about that a lot with, with this film. But we're always starting from a strong place. You mentioned, um, Tom, that you were interviewed for this job, for this film. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how did the film come about? So obviously the film came to you rather yeah. than you taking the film um, somewhere. Just tell me yeah, a little bit about that. And to, yeah, and tell me, like, what was it? You went for the interview. What was it about this story? Because also it's a story that, um, you know, is quite well known. Well, I'd never heard of it, so it's not that well known, but it was quite well known in Australia. You know, it's a well-told story. So tell me what it was about it that made you want to to do it. Um, <clears throat> well, it came about, I was in Australia at the time for the first time since COVID. I got a phone call from the... Um, head of talent at Fremantle, Victoria Roy, who's amazing, lovely lady. Uh, and they said, there's this Aussie story that we think you'd be good for. And I and I was immediately like, who, who the hell gave you my number? Like, how did you come across me? Because uh, I'd been, you know, I, 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 yeah, I was quite surprised. Um, turns out that the film had been developed by an independent um, uh, 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 development exec and sold to Naked. And um, the person at naked was a friend uh and thought tom's australian he'd be good <laughs> cheap cheap because he's got a passport so so let's see if he's up for it and um so i um i was initially uh a little bit wary of the project because it was so salacious and quite um tabloidy in in style and i was like I'm not sure if I'm the right person for it you know I, I didn't necessarily connect to it initially and then I told my mum she said oh the foot lady you've got to do the foot lady every you know this is what she, I swear to god this is my mum and I'm like oh okay she goes everyone knows you know everyone knows about it out here I was like okay and then I got on a call then I spoke to Fatima and Fiona and uh, they are so lovely and friendly and and there seemed to be a really good creative synergy and pers pers personality synergy and they and and this was the thing I, we got on the phone with Joe I was in a really lucky actually remembering really lucky situation Joe Clinton Davis they were just launching ITVX and the commissioner Joe Clinton Davis is really really also really nice she said look we want this to be a, a, a cinematic feature doc not your typical sort of TV sort of style make it you know make it like feature docky uh, so so go don't hold back creatively and I turned to Fiona and I and I said did she just say don't hold back did she actually they don't mean that when they say that but but that's what she wanted and so um and so the, the appeal to me came from going oh okay I can do I I can take this salacious tabloidy story and do something authored and meaningful with it um and so that's where the interest for me began and Nick, it. what about for you? Did you see what were the sort of like storytelling problems that you saw ahead when when Tom came to you with this story? What was your reaction to it? Did you think, well, let's be careful, or did, did you think? No. When, yeah, when 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 no, my my, fir my first contact with it, um, this was this was an exciting proposition for me because. You, you could immediately see the richness in the, you know, the twists and turns. You know what am I looking for? It, it, you know, in, in any story, it's the, it's the, the ability to kind of to take an audience on a journey, right? And and um, you know this was commissioned because there's this incredible mystery. There's this foot. There's this kind of 
what happened is these kind of scenarios did she kill herself you know was she murdered and there's a lot to play with there if we can get that right um so no to me it was a very exciting proposition and and i guess you know although i straddle now you know all camps really from quite from quite sort of you know straight laced and, and very important feature docs to to you know popular factual at the at the other end really sometimes still um i grew up in that kind of world of of tv docs and 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 so this idea of making something that is has got the you know, ITV commissioned it because it's the foot lady right but what joe didn't want was the foot lady you know she 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 want you know, she, she understands that what makes an ITV proposition you know people are going to watch this because it's got a tabloid headline to it but let's let's tell a really good story and try and do something interesting with it and um, and that's what tom and i have you know whether together or separately have built our careers on trying to to do those sorts of films so um it, it felt like a natural fit really for me and of course you know, I, 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 I'm lucky in that Tom knew me and wanted me to be part of the process. So uh, although I was checked out for the job, it wasn't an interview in the way that Tom was interviewed for it, if, if you like. So, you know, Tom Tom asked me, would I be interested in being a part of this? And knowing him and knowing the project, you know, yes, absolutely. Bring it on. Fantastic. And in terms of the story, like how much of the story did you was there, was known? Um, and how much did you have to work out? Did you have to become detectives and find out what happened or was it a like case where they found the foot they know the answer you know and then you've got to turn it into a story that I don't know but you actually know the whole story like where where were you at when it began well initially I did I didn't know the story at all so I came at it cold um and I was in the UK so I wasn't immersed in the, the Australian media which had been talking about this story since 2020 when it happened um, at, the, at the time, there there <clears throat> there had not been an inquest, there the, and the police brief of evidence as to what they believed had happened was not public. So all that was out there was, um, you know, the foot has washed up, she's gone missing, husband's acting weird, there's inconsistencies left and right that have all and all of these things have been discussed and interpreted by. Firstly, the media, and then huge swathes of social media chat groups, and that was one of the things that Joe at ITV wanted to explore was, you know, these armchair detectives and their role in trying to find Melissa and figure out what happened, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, so what was required was for me to firstly get familiarised. So I read all the I read all the articles on it at, and created the sort of timeline. And off reading the articles of it. Um, started to form the initial treatment for what the story would be. And how did you go about casting it? Tell me about your casting process. You know, who did you want? Who did you get? Who did you not get? Who was the so, surprise? So, well, the, that was that was really quite challenging. And that was actually something I wasn't anticipating to this level, actually. It was difficult on a level I'd not experienced before. Um, we inherited cast but uh, lost them all the moment the press release went out. And, um, yeah, this was funny. The press release went out and said, it's like, the day my daughter was born, right? I'm in the hospital. My daughter's two hours away from being born. The press release goes out and I start getting emails from the contributors going, are you really going to call this film Life and Limb? Right? Because <laughs> that's what it was called. And we're like, oh, no, we're out. They said, we're out. I lost, I lost, I lost, um, uh, uh, the main ones that we lost were investors, two massive investors that were really crucial to the story, gone. <laughs> yeah. 
So and and then and the other thing was all the other ones, all the other people that that were, were close to the story, friends and uh, uh, family and all that sort of stuff. People that we were talking to, we were talking to all sorts. We were talking to Anthony's father. We were talking to uh, close friends of Melissa Caddick. Uh, all sorts. We're all constantly wobbly because at the time it's such a massive high-profile story in Australia. The moment anyone says anything in public. You've got thousands of people in chat groups on social media that just interrogate it to just blah, 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 blah. And you've got newspapers that report on it, radio, like it was just so high profile that the moment you stick your head above the parapet, these people are getting shot. And there's all this shame associated with it. You know, people hated Melissa and were just loathing on her. The shame associated with going, oh, yeah, I knew her or I'm, I'm associated with her. So trying to get anyone to talk was just so difficult and then on top of that all, a lot of the coverage up until that point had been salacious and very very tabloid in nature so no one trusted us at all to be what we said we were going to be which is we're going to tell a balanced um uh, story with a documentary that's got integrity and is you know all that stuff no we don't believe you and then on top of that um, we had um, local news channels. This was the thing that was really difficult. We had the local news channels. The three uh, main channels in Australia have their own version of Panorama, you could say, but it's not to the level of pa Panorama at all. It's more of like a, a tabloid. It there's a lot of tabloid vibes about their their, their news programs. Mm -hmm. um, they were all trying to get these people as well. The husbands, the, 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 the investors, they're all trying to get these people to talk because the ratings are so high and they're paying big money. So we had all that. So literally when I started, I had no one. I had no one. I had maybe Kate McClymouth. I had maybe a friend. I definitely had the social media warriors because they were like, yeah, bring it on. We'll be on TV. And for three months, I wrote with Nick a script that was a wish list script that kind of cracked out a structure that if we had these people that we're working towards getting, this is what we could do with it kind of thing. And I went out to shoot in September last year of the inquest. And I didn't have anyone. I had no one to film. I swear to God, Sophie, I was like, what do, we're about to spend a lot of money out here and I don't know if I'm going to come back with anything. It was really, it was really quite bizarre. This is all music to my ears because I think, and probably for a lot of people watching this, right? We <laughs> we just love it when we hear that everyone's struggling oh <laughs> trying God. to get contributors on board. So, how and, just, so just, just you, you, you asked me you asked me earlier, yeah, when when first contact with the project, what, what was my thought? And I was like, no, bring bring it on. That's great. It wasn't long after that where I started getting more worried about it. <laughs> Frankly, um, and, and and just to Tom's point, you know, for for, for a while, the pe the people that we for, for a long while, the pe the people that he had stacked up that were definitely going to be a part of it, the, the principal contributors apart from Kate, you know, who who could give us the kind of the fact, if you like, if you're a top top line kind of storytelling, were the social media commentators, and 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 whilst that was always a kind of quite compelling selling point because they were the ones that fueled. What I saw is the kind of what we saw is the, the play along, if you like, with the Spec audience. Speculative play along. There, 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 there was this real problem that they're, they're, they didn't affect anything really. And and I think this this film was commissioned, I think, I'm right in saying, in the aftermath of things like Don't Fuck with Cats, you know, where there was this kind of, oh, social media is this place where crimes get solved and so on. So there was a kind of expectation maybe that this bit of information is going to come out of this 
web sleuthing and, and and that just wasn't there you know so so we had many chats about you know what does this look like and feel like and we and we what wrote role do they play? but 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 yeah. what is it and 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 i mean tommy put the story but but to tom's constant credit on it on everything that that, that he, he does um this man is nothing but tenacious you know, and and uh always fights for the very best film that he can you know and, and um and it's because of that that we ended up with the cast that we that we got. Possibly slightly driven by desperation and fear, but it's only ever <laughs> driven by desperation. Yeah, but not, but not everyone would do that. Not everyone would, would sort of take that on and really, you know, engage in in, in the way that he would have had to. Because you, know, to, I'm sorry, to t- I'm sort of telling your story, Tom, but to, but to, you, know, to you can all understand to bring someone like Anthony in, who's a man who's been in the firing line, who question big questions are being asked about. He's been accused of murdering his wife. You know, this is huge. This is not just about oh oh hi Anthony can you you know can you come on our film yeah this this is about creating a landscape for for the yeah. film where this feels like something that someone as exposed as him would consider this is a, a sort of worthwhile enterprise. Right. This is the safe yeah. place for me to get vulnerable. Yeah. How yeah. did you how did you convince him to come on board? I'm so I'm glad you asked me that because I I this getting Anthony was 100% a team effort, right? I was working with a um a, 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 an assistant producer Harriet Osborne Crawley who, who is a tenacious contributor um relationship builder um access producer of sorts and she was absolutely instrumental and crucial she came out to australia with me we made contact with anthony's lawyers who are wonderful characters in the film as well and they liked itv and they liked us uh and they said we'll get we'll help you get him and we when we went out in september me and harriet had to get like in like we had to get we had to go native with we were at dinners we were at, we went to church on sunday morning with you know we were still listening to hymns on sunday morning with the families you know we were we were riding we were riding in car having lunches with them every day at the inquest harriet was doing most of this she went shopping with them once you know really got native with 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 everybody to eventually meet anthony and we met Anthony briefly and sort of pitched ourselves to him. That was really difficult to just to even get to that point. I blew it up in the middle of it. I went and spoke to one of his mates without asking his permission. The next thing I know, the lawyer's on the phone going, why did you go and meet his mate? Now he doesn't trust you. I'm like, oh, no, I'm back. Like, so I swear to God, this is what it was like when I was out there. Meanwhile, 60 Minutes are coming in trying to get Anthony. You know, this is what it was like. Wow. I swear to God, it was so stressful. So what, was the moment? what was the moment that you so, knew you had him? I wrote him a letter. I think I wrote him a letter. Yeah, I wrote him a letter. So at the end of at the end of September, there'd been all this back and forth and all this willy willy wishy washy blah blah blah. Um, and at the end of September, when we left, I met with Melissa Caddick's brother, uh, <clears throat> and I met with Anthony both separately, uh, and 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 I sent him a letter, basically outlining the pitch because I wanted an opportunity to pitch him myself, and I did never got that opportunity. Wow. After all this great groundwork that Harriet had done that was instrumental in getting me to this point, uh, and I just wrote him a letter, and I was just really honest. And, and I that's said, what wins, right? That's what wins. Is but I needed, but I needed, I needed to have had the, the month of experience watching the inquest unfold because that was all during the inquest. You know, watching how the media was re- responding to him, watching how he was responding to everything. So I had a point of, I had to have a point of view. Yeah. And so, and I also had to have empathy, genuine empathy. And I needed to, the experience first in order to have that. So I wrote the letter from that place. And 
I think some point in November, we're coming back to shoot more in November, end of November. It wasn't until early November. He said, okay, I'll do it. Oh God, it was so stressful. So many sleepless nights, Sophie, I swear to God. Wow. Wow. And do you ever, do you ever offer people money? Do you ever pay people to come? Yeah, along? we buy, we'll buy archive of people. So if people have got archive, but depending on what kind of archive they've got, we'll, yeah. we'll give them, we'll pay for their archive. Fantastic. Um, and Nick, so you're, I'm assuming you're back in the UK. Yeah, yeah. And you're there to deal with these like frantic phone calls from Tom. I mean, like how, how much are you able to help and be a voice of reason when there's that distance as well, physical distance? So so this is, so there's two things. Firstly, Tom, Tom will call me, uh, yes, for sure. But also um, we have Fiona there as, as the exec, right? So so, so I, I guess, you know, day to day, if if, if the... If the shit's hitting the fan, so to speak, you know, it, it may be that Tom would call Fiona from a logistics point of view and, and so forth. I, I, I'm in, in the space that I occupied on this film and, and, and many others. I'm purely in story, right? So, so, so. But, but that said, um, what I what I also will do, and I try and create you know good good working relationships with whoever I'm I'm with. Um, psychological support, you know, is a big part of what I often do. You know, so it's, it's about being entrenched with people. It's about helping them to make their films the best they can be. And, and it's a lonely and exposing experience. And, I, and I've been there, you know, as well as a, as a director. I know what that feels like, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, Tom and I have a friendship now, great friendship now. But but so we, we would have chats and, and, and he would sort of brainstorm things with me. But uh, at that point in time, I'm not in the nitty gritty of the of the process, really. It's, it's sort of once... Once uh, the, sort of the, the deal lands, the, you know, the, the arrangements made that we're going to go with Anthony, then we'll start dialing in much more strongly again. So, okay, what does that look like and feel like for the film? You know, um, no, yeah. but I'd be. I remember I was out there. I remember I, I was out there, and we were in the prospect of like I'll be driving somewhere, and I'll be like, oh, I know how we can do this, and I and I'll call you, and I'll go, hey, if we get Anthony, the film can play out like this, and if we can set it sure. up like this. And yeah. it'll play it like this, and it'll change the meaning. We could do this, blah blah. And I'll stress yeah, yeah. test it. I'll throw the spaghetti. You're like, I'll, and we'll I'll stress test it against you, and you'll go, "That's good. That's not so good. What about this?" Uh, yeah, all that. But what I'm not, what I'm that not, what I'm not doing is troubleshooting how to get Anthony with you. You know, and it, well, I guess I am a bit, but but that's not that's not the space I occupy on this on this particular film. Although, of course, you know. That lines blur and, and you you end up offering thoughts of course you do but yeah it, 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 we, we were both very excited about the prospect of Anthony coming on board I mean I said you know it, it was a film that was driven by a journalist and some social media commentators suddenly you know if you want a first person storyteller in this film we're now talking to the the, the one you want right and, and and so that became a very exciting proposition um and uh yeah and, and I guess we were both trying not to get our hopes up too yeah. much but we were fantasizing a little bit about what, what this might become and, and thankfully you know it, it landed fantastic and talking of uh the contributors that you had so I want to talk a bit about Kate your um journalist and and ultimately your sort of detective that you know takes you through a lot of the story um I think we're gonna can we just show we've got a clip of Kate I think Sean if we can just play the clip first our first clip from The Missing Millionaires shows the use of a journalist as a device to narrate and drive the story forward, starting 17 minutes and 30 seconds into the film. Great, thank you. So did you already have Kate on board when the film came to you or did you have to get access to it? And I, and I guess the other question is, how quickly did you decide that she was going to be sort of integral to your to your story? 
So she, I think she was, they were, conv- I don't know uh, if she was sort of considered confirmed when I took on the project, because when I, when I, when, when the project came to me, we had to sell her uh, ourselves um, again. And I had a, a hefty conversation with her about what we were planning to do, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> I, I, uh, I was very pleased that we had her because she's an expert and she could be glue where I didn't have a first person testimony for a particular story beat, which is so valuable. And it's the catch all, isn't it? You know, um, and that is, is a backup plan. That's always um, so important. Um, but what was beneficial about her is that she is actually a first person in so far as she broke the story and she has been the driver of a number of these discoveries uh, along the way. So she has a stake, for, you know, personally. And she was going to club cover the inquest. So I guess early on I thought, well, she can be glue and um, she's useful in so far as that she's first person. But I never, ever thought she's going to be the driver of the film. Um, that was just, I guess, out of necessity in the end. Um and that speaks to only getting Anthony right at the end, because if I had known from the beginning I was going to get Anthony, I would have rewritten the whole film. I would have written the whole film differently. Sure. Um, um, but, yeah, so that's how that relationship and that. And how how did that work with her? Because I guess if she's the person who has dropped this story in the first place, you know, and done so much investigation around it and written so much about it, and she's a journalist. This is very much her baby, right? This story. So then, how do you? How was that sort of relationship with her? How did you balance that in now her having to hand over what is effectively her story to you? Uh, I don't. I, I I don't feel like. She, I never had the impression it was that kind of thing, because she did. She did into. She does so much TV out there talking about this story. She's she's done every Channel Nine. Uh, oh, 60 okay. minutes on the story she's done every she's done loads of interviews on abc t- talking about the story and <clears throat> what she did and all that sort of stuff so i never felt like i was taking her story and presenting it um um so yeah but i guess you know i mean yeah i, I didn't yeah yeah i would just on the, i would say i would say that the you know uh, uh, to tom's earlier point the coverage of this story um and, and, Kate, and Kate is a kind of part part of this situation as well. Yeah, but it, it was very sensationalist, very tabloid, um, for, for reasons we can all understand. But, but what Tom was proposing was a film that um you know, amongst that noise was going to try and do something that, whilst it had some of that about it from an entertainment point of view, clearly, but but equally it, it had something a bit deeper about it. It was trying to ask some questions or resolve some things in a, in a slightly more um I guess we'd say premium way, you know, in terms of the TV landscape. Um, so maybe that was something that she was kind of happy to be a part of because she'd look good, right? Yeah, totally. And her place, and her place in the story would be celebrated as well. You know, she did, I mean, that, that lovely, you know, common of the century stuff that Tom's done there, that's, that's an iconic moment for her. You know, that is her story. Oh, absolutely. And with, and with some of your other characters, like the lawyers, are they mother and daughter? Or are they just yeah. They are mother and daughter. They look yeah. very... Um, 
I was interested that when it came to the trial where they sort of come in, um, you know, uh, that's their sort of part, that they are quite funny, you know, they're quite humorous and you played them quite funny and quite humorous at what is effectively the most serious point of the story, right? Because you're, um, you know, Anthony is about to either sort of, you know, be set free or be, or be, you know, accused of, of doing something that maybe he hasn't done. So what I just want to understand your sort of like, um, storytelling decision processes of tone and when to sort of like play those kinds of things and yeah your decisions there because you could have played them super serious and super straight on right they are such characters in of themselves right they are just like that that is what they're like you should have seen them during the inquest particularly um uh uh, uh judy uh so introducing them that way that it is in no way embellished at all and so so it felt complete first of all we're at a point where we're entering uh just after the midpoint of the film uh so the film needs an injection of energy it needs a change of direction it needs the stakes to be raised so we enter the inquest so that's where the retrospective story meets present tense unfolding actuality <clears throat> so the stakes get raised and we get these new characters and we get this new pers perspective and we also get a hint of i guess that world, the, the world that they're in, which is like that. It's very bright. It's very colourful. It's very much attuned to Judy and um, Sarah's personality like that. That's how we experienced it when I was at dinners with them, when I was you know, doing all this stuff. That's what they're like. So I, I was representing them as they are. I was using them as a, fun, as a tool to inject energy. Um, and, yeah, uh, and, they, and it's funny. It's funny. You know, and I'm like, well, th this story is mad. So it's appropriate tonally to put a funny, mad moment in. That's the, that was the decision making process. And then when and with other characters, so with your, you know, with your millionaires, obviously, you know, she's you have to tell a story of someone who's uh, who's not there anymore. So just tell me a little bit about that, that you know, how. You know, what did you have that you were able to use in terms of like archive? I get a sense that apart from photos, there wasn't a huge amount else. And how, so how do you bring a character into a film when, you know, they're maybe dead? Uh, that was that was quite difficult um, and a big question mark from the channel at one point. Um, part of it was represented by the water. Um part of but but once we had anthony we had someone who could speak to her in a positive way mm -hmm. so via his love for her we had an access point uh, a crucial access point um and he was he provided um the, the only video clips you see of her certainly of him with her voice um you know that he provided those and so with with those aspects and some photos actually we got a whole bunch of photos from the um the childhood friend kate horn um that was a treasure trove of childhood of, of teen photos and that that sort of thing so the combination of those those pieces of archive gave us i hope enough to bring melissa alive uh, and make her a presence what were your what were your personal feelings about her you know you obviously me, Anthony, but for you, like she's a, you know, what, how did you feel about her? Well, I didn't, I've never met her. So I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about her, but looking at the evidence, uh, 
in terms of um in terms of what I think happened to her or what do I think about her as a person what do you think about her as a person I, I don't know I've never met her I can't I couldn't possibly yeah. answer that no I wondered I, if it influenced how you portray her I, I tell you what I did. I tell you what I did is I, I I I found when researching the film initially the the blanket media coverage of course all of everything was this woman's a narcissistic so- sociopath. That was the narrative across the board. And I read two and a half years worth of content on Facebook. I can't tell you how much stuff I consumed. Right, that was the narrative, and I came at it from the from this perspective of of, of being way over here in the UK, looking in like that, going. Well, I mean, surely there's more to this. Surely there's more to this. Let's try and understand. People don't just, people don't just do this. You know, I've, I come from a background that has taught me a lot about human behaviour just by way of self-examination. And you know, people, people, people tend to get into trouble like this because there's been a, a series of events that get you there. And none of that was being put, explained, or portrayed in a way that was meaningful to me. And so I was like. Immediately, therefore, on a place of of empathy and trying to understand. So that's where I was coming from. So I didn't necessarily have an opinion on her as a person, but I had empathy for understanding the backstory and the wider, the shades of grey that I wasn't seeing. It was a very conscious decision to 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 start with that love story moment, right? So so we're in, we're in that space where we're presenting a certain picture of her through a certain perspective. Which will then undermine. But I think if you if you went the other way, although we know she's a bad guy from the start, you know. But if if you led with that, um, and we discussed that at times, you know, as well, uh, you got nowhere to go. You know, whereas this gave us something to develop. You know, in, in our in our audience perceptions of her as well, which just keeps it interesting. Right, we're always trying to keep the audience on a on a textural journey, right, and 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 just to jump. You know, my my view on the lawyers. You know, exactly that. You know, at, at that top of part four. You know, let's give them something different. It's, it's you know, it's, it's a change of tone. It's a, Tom and I actually had, did have discussions. I, I, I personally, at the, in the in the edit, would have dialed back the humor a little bit. I liked it. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of humor. Uh, I think many documentary makers make a mistake of thinking they should be serious and worthy all the time. You know, but one of my mantras is, if we're smiling, we're watching, right? Yeah. So, so, so I'm I'm all for it. But I, I did have a little bit of a concern that it would undermine what the important stuff that they were they were saying. I have to say, I watched it again a couple of nights ago in preparation for, for tonight um and i was carried along by it without any questions so it, you know in the moment of the edit where i'm analyzing it's story consultant i'm thinking maybe, you know, are we going too far here but actually as a viewer i totally enjoyed it so but this is that. an area where nick and i differ this is an area where nick and i differ when it's there's something i often put something funny in a very serious moment and nick will go mm, question mark and i'll tend to always ignore that and leave it you know yeah. Yeah. Normally, normally in duration is an issue but these are kind of you know as always humor can be a casualty of the of, of duration right and 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 but I'm, I'm a big fan of it for, for sure I, I want to use it it was just that question like I, I was worried that that um we had we might have had such a strong negative feeling about Anthony at that point in time in the film that do we want to give him the best possible chance of you know being redeemed through the eyes of people that are on his side and I, and I was slightly concerned it might undermine that a little bit but I think I was wrong and in terms of Anthony, actually, and how you decided to play him, because you obviously knew 
when you met him that he has been acquitted, you know, he's not guilty of murdering um, his wife, but you want to tell that story so that your audience has carried along a bit without any sort of conclusive stuff. You've also got this issue of like, well, this is a guy who's not in prison. He clearly didn't do it. So how, tell me about like working out that story and how, how much did you have to get him on board in understanding what you wanted to do for him to sort of play ball with you a bit as well? I was really clear with him. I said before the interview, I'm going to grill you. I'm going to hammer you. Um, so, so I was very upfront with him about all of that. Um, um, in terms of the, the suspense of, well, what happens to him? Is he guilty or not? I mean, I, I, I never really worry about that because, you know, we're not at the end of the film yet. You don't know when I've done this interview. You don't know what the outcome might be. You don't know if there's a post-credit sequence, you know, you just don't know. So I wasn't too worried about that. And I thought for me, the suspense... And Nick, Nick will want to talk more about this too in terms of just structuring an unfold, uh, a retrospective story in a in a present tense way. Um, there's that 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 is maintained suspense. But for me, it was also there was so much Anthony suspicious because of this. Anthony's inconsistent because of this. There's a question over Anthony here. There's a, you know all this speculation from the social media commentators and some of the journalists. That for me, the the suspense the suspense was. Well, we know Anthony's in the film. Is he gonna? Is he gonna answer? Is he gonna answer to some of this stuff? And so I felt like the audience was would be waiting for that. Would be waiting for well, what's he gonna say to this? And so I was very focused on delivering on that um, more than anything else. Good, yeah. no, as well. That interrogation bit, I thought, was great. You know, it was great, um, especially at the end. Sorry, Nate. I would hope, I would hope that there's um, that the question of whether of whether he's done something that is going to have landed him in prison is a secondary consideration in the kind of what I call the play along dimension. Like there's, so, there's so much mystery around what happened here. So many things that are, are coming at you that's, that are intriguing. You know, did she did, did she jump? Was she killed? Did she cut her own foot off? The question is, what did Anthony know, really, is, is the question that's being asked there, rather than did he kill his wife? You know, it's, it's only when we get into the into the inquest in any substantial way we understand that the police at some point might have thought he did kill his wife but that's the first time that anyone's really suggested that um and and also we're, we're going into an inquest you know so so answers will come out at that point in time so i i i hope that that certainly to the the non-filmmaker reviewers out there there wouldn't be that there's something hopefully engaged enough in the process of of the gameplay and and what on earth happened here um to not be too concerned about this man can't have done it, can he? Because you know, there's, other, yeah. there's other questions around the, the story that, that are also high in our minds. Absolutely. Um, you talked earlier about the um, your your internet sleuths, and obviously, I think a lot of us as filmmakers are now telling stories where you know online presence comes into play, right? Because everything has a commentary on it. So I want to talk a little bit about that. I just want to show a clip first, um, just how you were how you used social media, you know, using visual effects. Um, so if we can just show that, Sean, please. Our next clip looks at the use of social media on screen in a factual programme, appearing 21 minutes and 38 seconds into the film. So, yeah, I just wanted to ask you, you know, I guess, first of all, why did you decide to use the social media? Because there's a choice not to, you know, to use the text messages. And then, and why that why it was important to use them and how you go, you know, did you think a lot about how to use it and how to visualize it in a world where we're seeing it more and more like just 
you know, and what were the problems? What are the sort of legalities around social media that you're faced with and how you got around those? We had to use the social media. It was part of the deal. So it was something that our commissioner was really keen on. So uh, from word go, that was it. The challenge was working out how to make them uh, editorially justified. That was the really difficult part. Um, uh, in terms of um, uh, using them, we basically scoured um, the, the, the social media pages and found quotes from people that were relevant to, after the initial sort of scripted uh, outline had been done, that were relevant to the various story beats that spoke to, um, that, that in some way either either investigated what was going on, so there was act action, or uh, or, or um, developed something, anything that might develop our perception or uh, of what was going on. Um, <clears throat> The three, just, the, three, the, three, the three areas that, that were identified there were, were opinions on Melissa in, in, in the immediate aftermath anyway. you've just seen there. Opinions on Anthony, because he was our, our, our spine. And what you've seen there is the kind of turning point moment where Anthony goes from being this loving husband, you know, who's lost his wife, to suddenly he's, he's in the frame. Um, and then later in the film, these kind of three theories, these kind of competing theories on what, what happened. And, and, and again, we can talk about that when it comes to structuring and how that worked out, because... Actually, I think I'm right in saying, Tom, the reality was that that theory stuff was the kind of main noise that was going on in reality at the start of all this process. And we refined that to deliver it later in the film. But um, but so those, those, those are kind of the moments we were dialing into that sort of seemed to feed our story approach. But the problem with the problem editorially with it was is that it was all they were all they were providing was just either, oh my God, you know, reactions to things. Yeah or speculation so it's just all air it's nothing it's nothing content really it's not story it's just um color right but yeah. but but nonetheless we had to use it um so i was like okay now so there was that then in, in terms of creatively representing it one of the again the things that the commissioner wanted was this is australia we love australia we all want to be in australia make it be, show us at the country so I was like, yeah, okay, I can do that. So they let me shoot it in widescreen and I shot lots of beautiful stuff. And I thought, well, uh, why don't I integrate the text into the landscape? So we get both. And I thought um, it would be if I can somehow represent, and, and then it became a natural progression to go, oh, well, um, you know, it's the people of Sydney and Australia who are making all these comments. So it works for it to be, part of the um part of landscape so i got specific with oh let's shoot apartment buildings and you know quite specific apartments and all that and mm -hmm. it, and, it, and it, i didn't know if it was going to work sophie but it worked and i was you know it was great um it did it did so, i thought it was slick actually i thought it was nicely done and nicely designed you. as well were you did you make a decision to sh or was it actually because we you you weren't allowed to show that it's facebook or instagram yeah or so that was yeah, we couldn't show what what platform it was coming from. Yeah, uh, and in a lot of instances, unless we had express permission, we couldn't actually identify the person who posted posted it because it's it's IP. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, no, well, it worked well. It worked well. I'm looking, I'm realizing the time. This is, the time is flying by. So I want to make sure there's time for questions as well. Um, but not yet. Uh, um, I want to ask you about taking uh, a retrospective story and what are your, what's your, what were your tricks? What are you, what were your brilliant ideas? And what are the skills that us sort of listening to you now can learn from in terms of how do you make a retrospective story feel like? the audience for the audience that we feel like we're experiencing it in the present moment you know what is what how do you do that so that's that's something that um that i've i guess been thinking about a long time you know because what what's the best thing the best thing is if you're there in the room when the actual thing's happening right if you're making a documentary and you happen to be there when i don't know joe blogs does x and you're filming it that's the gold isn't it right something's actually happening next best thing for me is archive because that's almost that you know it's real and it's authentic so i'm always thinking well how do i make the interview space active how do i make that actuality how do i make that like actuality so i'm always thinking well you know oh it's it becomes actuality when you're rolling and and it's some of some offcut of them you know talking about blah blah or they're making a phone call and it happens to be natural or you know the filmmaker yeah. is having a conversation with them off camera as soon as the filmmaker is having a conversation with them suddenly that's actuality for me because it's something's happening um or or when you're showing them archive oh wow and they react to someone reacts to a bit of archive and they have a genuine emotion or something like that then then it becomes actuality so i was i'm always thinking well how do i really make that how do i not only do that but make the action of um giving them archive or you know giving them something to do part of the um what we're exploring how do i how does that become integrated into the actual function of the story so in this instance it was it was literally just uh i got lucky in that the inquest was happening while we were shooting the master interviews so i said don't watch anything on the inquest don't get updates on the inquest all this stuff came out during the inquest right? oh. all sorts of stuff came out right all the police event anthony's a suspect all that stuff came out so i said don't so i didn't read anything i showed it to them in the interview so i was able to get a real reaction from them uh in the master interview um that i could cut into the actuality that we'd been shooting earlier that day but then, then on other things that happen, like I don't know, that that a good example is when the foot washes up. I just show them. I just sit there and watch it. Just watch it. Just watch the archive of the press release, and they'll sit there and they'll watch it, and they'll and I'll get a real reaction, right? And then you so you cut a whole bunch of people sitting there watching it together, and reacting, and going, oh my god, you know, oh I remember that you know, or oh yeah, I mean that's wild. Suddenly you've got a sequence that feels like it's happening now, you know. Great, really good point. Can just, just jump in on that? Because uh, away, away from that as well, just from an editorial point of view, in terms of how you approach that sort of thing, we, we're always looking to create something that's that's unfolding. So it feels like a present tense yeah. thing. Right? So it's yeah. all about information management, you know, and, 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 and the big trick with this sort of thing is to make sure that you're unpacking a story with the information that was available at that moment in the story so you're asking to suspend all future knowledge and 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 walk with us through this journey so we've already in the way we work we've already roadmap the kind of key beats twists turns whatever and we're heading people in that direction where they would have found out for the first time so so that keeps it present tense because we're unfolding that with them and then secondary to that um obviously within within the telling of the story you then need to jump back into backstory 
So, so it's retrospective on the retrospective almost, you know, certain so things we need to know. And, 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 and what works very well there is to try and embed that backstory within your present tense unfolding. So an example, the, the two clips you've just shown, um, you know, Kate's, Kate McClymer writes this article, Common of the Century, that gets sent out, okay, boom. What that does for us is ignite opportunity for us to roll back in time a little bit to find out what exactly did she do? How big was this crime? You know, who, who else was involved in it? Her, her sister, her family, her brother, whatever, they're all, it's all stuff we need to know. And then at the end of that really nice bit of information, if you like, we have Kate reclaim her story and say, I couldn't believe it was going to get as big as it was. Boom. And now we're into social media stuff gets launched. So we've managed to kind of bury, disguise, you know, really important stuff we need to know within a contemporary unfolding story, rather than starting at the, at the beginning, beginning and just un, you know, unwinding. So, so on that as well, Melissa, we need to know a bit about who Melissa is. Um, we did our first bite of Melissa backstory and who she is within this um, a, a, another sort of contemporary moment where Kate has just found out that. Uh, Melissa, it, we, we, Kate reveals to us that she knows Melissa is not innocent. There's more. There's more. There's more to her story than meets the eye. Well, what is that? Let's rewind. You know, and then we come back to Kate saying, "Why would the authorities be after this woman who, you know, sort of bookending with oh. the, the backstory with a contemporary unfolding mm -hmm. feel to it?" So it keeps it all in that kind of present tense world. And I think we've got a clip, Sean. If you can just play the clip, that's uh, hopefully, hopefully, a really good example of this that you can. Mm -hmm. Afterwards as well. For our next clip, starting 33 minutes and 31 seconds into the film, we saw how the directors brought the retrospective story into the present, like it was unfolding before audiences' eyes. I mean, I think that just shows, right? I th like looking at it, just having heard what you said and what your process is, you know. Yeah. Well, the, 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 what Nick was talking about, that information management only is effective by prescripting, right? So we're able to go in, I was able to go into the interviews knowing exactly at what point we're at in the story, you know, so it's like, okay, now we're going to talk about the moment that the foot washed up. And the, the contributors are very inclined to, to speak with, with the answer, with all this knowledge that we now know. So I was able because because of the prescripting process, we're able. I'm able to stop them and go. No, 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 no. We don't know that yet. Just tell me what you knew at this very particular moment. Put it in this tense, and I'm constantly managing that through the interview process. So then I'm getting Kate McClymont and various other people's at that moment. This is where I was. This is what was happening. So that immediately brings everybody else into that moment as well. And then if I show them the archive, then I can play it out as almost as if it's happening there there and then and it, and it worked it was yeah it worked i thought it was good fantastic um no it, it totally works i mean and and when you and in terms of the whole the whole story what do you think was the hardest part for you to tell what was the hardest part of the story it was it was without a doubt figuring out how to merge the retrospective story with the unfolding story of the inquest but the but the, that 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 would have been one thing. But the problem with that was that we didn't have access to the inquest. We only had access to someone downloading what had just happened in the inquest. So it was a unfolding moment told retrospectively, right? To uh, offset a, 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 or complement a retros an entire retrospective story. We so just have a look at it, and then we can then we'll all know what you're talking about. Can we just show this clip, please, Sean? 
For our final clip, the team showed us how they blended the retrospective story with the unfolding reality on screen, starting at 42 minutes and 12 seconds into the film. Great, a great sequence of events unfolding there, but I imagine that was a hell of a lot of work to get it to work so well, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. It and was. Was, it, was, it, was it scripted, let's follow yeah. it? Was it trial and error? Was it, how many versions of it did you do? I made, I did a, a pass that was a mess. The, 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 the thing that was difficult about it was, uh, was once, once we got him out, once we got Anthony out, it was fine, right? Then we had content that was that, that played. It was fine. It was in the moment. It was all the stuff between Kate coming down the stairs to to um, to the journalist deciding to file. And there was all there was all sorts of stuff that had that went in and out of it over a period of time, and trying to figure out the the tone of the the the, the tense of the interview was very difficult, and. Yeah, and the sequences like that were extremely difficult because we didn't have anything from within the inquest. Yeah. There was no, there was no moment in the inquest inside that we could show it actually happening. We just happened to be blessed with the body cam footage that came out during the inquest that could give us a sense of discovery, like Kate would have had when she was in there. Um, and getting it, yeah, getting that sequence right was, and the others were very difficult, very very difficult. Wow. We were blessed that we had Anthony, obviously, but yeah, to, to play within the edit because his story is the one that comes out of the inquest as being you know, the dominant piece of interest. And if we haven't got anything to play that into, you know, it's going to become very thin. But as Tom said, there, there are a number of moments that we tried, experimented with from that inquest, which just felt like it was a bit of commentary and B-roll really at the end of the day. And, and so you know, perhaps inevitably now you look at it, but the things that ended up sticking were when the inquest itself reveal the story turn so Anthony's being inconsistent he's a suspect you know was one Anthony um has a wobble on the stand you know and and and, that, and both of those things feed into the perspectives of the, of the commentators that we've been experiencing the and therefore us who are playing along hopefully into what we think about it as well so Anthony uh, breaks down well you know is it a lie is it a ruse you know what's going on here we're, we're sort of able to play that that game you know he's inconsistent he must be a bad guy you know so, so we can play in that space and then the shark the shark might have eaten, you know, Melissa Caddick, like what? You know, maybe that is the most obvious thing. She jumped off a cliff and, and the shark ate her. Maybe that is the most obvious thing. But the way we managed the information, you know, it felt like that was a revelation, hopefully, and we, we weren't expecting that to be where it went. So, yeah, it, it's but it was jumping on those moments that where something actually happened that was a story in and of itself within the inquest that gave us the ability to make it dynamic. But it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that. It was also how the hell are we going to picture it? Yeah, right. Are we actually going to literally bring it to life? It's all well and good to reveal this moment here, but I haven't got anything. I've got no pictures. I've got no. I've got no content to actually make it a moment. You know, that was really quite quite a big part of the challenge of the inquest. We we you know while while you're out there, I mean to the point about Tom and I speaking at, at, at that point in time, we were very much embedded in story while he was out there on the shoot, right? So we were talking regularly about this, and and I remember us, us talking about. Um, again, it seems so obvious now, but but the fact that he'd already conducted master interviews with the with the contributors um, and done a lot of that actuality response stuff for earlier in the film, but now there's an opportunity to go back, you know, and see them again, and 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 you know, let's make sure that happens. And and yeah. and Tom Tom did that. Yeah, you know, and a lot of that we were able to kind of make something contemporary with our hero characters of the things that are unfolding in the in the courtroom as well. That's it. Well, you totally nailed it. It was brilliant. Um, I've got a great question here from 
uh, Malcolm, who says, brilliant film, by the way. Um, what were some of the commissioner's notes of the rough cut? Can you remember? And was there an, ever any pressure to add a voiceover to help tell the story? Um, there was no pressure to add voiceover. We, we were very lucky. That was something that was decided early on from, by the commissioner. No voiceover uh, is fine. Um, so, and I think fortunately the rushes that were gathered were sufficient enough to tell the story without the need of it. Um, so we're lucky in that sense. Um, uh, and the rough cut, I I was in a situation where I worked workaholically to get the first cut done and delivered a fine cut as the first cut. Um, and so it was very it was very advanced by the time that she, she, the commissioner saw it. And the the only notes that we got were around signposting this bit could do with some more signposting, that bit could do with more signposting. And in the end, it was a case, the pro, The big problem was, I think I had a, I think we I think we had an 80 minute film that had to be 65. And the, uh, the big discussions that we had were, were how are we gonna get it down? Because the, the content that was in there was great. It was really good. Like you, you'll see it in the 90 minute version that's internationally, it's, 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 it's all full of great characters and things like that. So that was the big thing was trying to decide what to pull out without um, ruining the nuance that that, that com the commissioner liked about it. So it was we were kind of lucky actually. It was a really lucky situation. Was there ever um, in a world of well? Was that not your experience, Nick? No, no, it's not. It's not lucky. I, I, I mean, to, to, to my earlier point, you know, we 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 work really hard on on on. You know, yeah, we do. Yeah, we really do. We do mapping it and testing it and telling good, good good story. You know, and she liked the story we were telling. For, yeah, fundamentally, we were lucky in that we we had. She was on board though, Nick. She was really on board with what we were doing. Like it was one of those yeah. it was one of those unicorn situations where, from the commissioner down, everyone was really aligned on what we were making. Brilliant. That was lucky. That's lucky. So when we delivered it to her, yeah, right? It is, right? So when yeah. we delivered it to her, she was very happy. Yeah. And yeah. we and yes, Nick and I worked at picking asses off to get it into a, a tight place. So I don't mean to undermine that process. Yeah, yeah. And actually, because this is something often I don't hear asked when male directors are being interviewed. It gets asked a lot when female directors get interviewed. But you mentioned earlier that You've had a kid, you know, and um, you're working in Australia. You're literally on the other side of the world. No, I'm here. I'm in the UK. But, yeah, but when you're filming. Oh, yeah. When you're filming, like, you know, you're jumping from the UK. You live in the UK and you're, like, going to film on the other side of the world. How do how did you manage that? It was awful. I just had a baby. It was all The first one was okay. She was only eight weeks old. She needed mum. She didn't want to borrow me, right? The baby. She didn't want to, she wanted anything to do with me. Uh, and then when we, and then, then Alice and my baby came with me on the second shoot and we all got COVID. So I had just all the Anthony interview, everything, all those interviews I did with Anthony and the liquidators, I was crook as a dog, um, uh, as was my wife and baby. And I would come home from these hectic shoots and Alice would go here and hand me the kid. And you have to cook because she had to pass out. She had COVID. She had to pass out on the bed. And I'm like, I've got to prep. I've got to prep for the interview tomorrow. This isn't going to, you know, it was horrendous, right? Um, but since then, I've had to do two shoots overseas uh, at two weeks at a time. And two weeks is just just my limit, I think. Uh, you know, just my limit. Beyond that, it's really hard. Yeah. To be good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm not I'm glad that you had a hard time. But, you know, it's good to hear um, 
you know, you talking in the same way, right, as the, the, the women who really asked those questions. Um, given more money and given more time, what would you do differently? I would have rewritten the whole film before I did uh, and had more time before we interviewed Anthony and I would have done more to, even though we did achieve this, I would have done more to bring the um, social media uh, layer into the present tense at the end. I would have shown more of their decision-making process on terms of their, their opinions being formed via the media that they were consuming. I would have done those two things. And any any big lessons that you, but for both, this is to both of you, you know, that you learn in the process of making this film that, you know, were new to you, that you haven't learned on other films before, you know, any um, new experiences? I think the the journey of trying to blend the the storytelling grammar that we tried to 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 to, to do was quite a big learning experience, uh, uh, and dealing with other media outlets, trying to get the same contributors at the same time, navigating that was very sensitive and difficult. There was probably some skills I picked up there. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I'd say I mean just to to, to sort of reflect glory onto Tom uh, again. I think the two things that I think re really make this film what it is are his his decision to bring the um bring the evidence the actual the, the, the footage to the contributors so, so, so keeping that extra kind of dynamism um sorry creating that extra dynamism that, that that takes it away from just being talking head that's something i've not I've, i mean i've seen it done a little bit before i've seen it done quite a lot after since tom did it actually so whether or not tom's inspiring like said beckham and robbie williams and so forth i don't know I'm Maybe. sure I am, Nick. I'm, I'm sure, sure that's all right. That is yeah. without a doubt a correct. I heard they'd watched your film. And uh, yeah, they're, they're obsessed yeah, with this film. They're obsessed with them. Absolutely. 100%. But but it, but it, it's really effective, and 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 I'd I'd like to see if there's other things that we can you know devise along those lines down down the road because it, it's a really smart way of just you know, enhancing the viewing experience of, well, the, of new film, the new film. does it. Yeah, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it again. But and also to my earlier point. Um, Tenacity, you know, I, I I talked about myself earlier as being a, a really great storyteller, but not necessarily the most um, you know creative of people. Tom's got an sort of innate hunger for pulling off the best possible story on a level that a film on a level that I didn't have as a director. You know, I, I, there was a point for me where my life came into play, and and I had to kind of cut my losses, and and that's now what I'm making the film with, and that's a great skill in and of itself. But Tom never settles. You know, and 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 this film would have been a very different film if he'd taken that approach. You know, it's be, it's because of that ability, just to, that ability and desire, just to want to keep on going, to to open every door, to push every rock, you know, to try and find the people that he he wants. Um, and it's easy to sit here and say that because it's a success story. But for any filmmaker watching, you know, there's there's a real lesson for all of us in that. If you find the right approach, um, and you are able to commit to it, and you know, really create a kind of landscape where your sincerity comes through and the vision you're selling comes through you can make great things happen yeah. it, it's all possible and I, I, could, I could i'm sorry i'll i definitely want to answer that question but i couldn't do i couldn't make films at the level i'm making without nick either like his the storytelling ability all right that. guys have the love in later right yeah yeah we <laughs> <laughs> um, how closely did your edit follow the story mapping? It constantly changed. Yeah. Yep. But the story mapping meant every decision was coming from a very informed place. Good. 
Good. And you and you said you're both working together now on another yeah. another film, another series. What, what do, are do, you allowed to tell us anything about it? It's called Twisted Twins. It's about uh, twins who have committed um, some sort of heinous crime, and it's for ITV. Fantastic. So they asked you back then. Yes, they asked us back for more they truth and clarity, right? In doing a good job. Um, we're coming to the end of the session, guys. I wanted to say thank you both very much. I've learned a lot. You've actually helped me because I'm uh, making a film at the moment that's not that dissimilar, and I've had lo- you've you've given me solutions to lots of problems without me having to work it really? out. I've actually done so. When you see my film, you'll be like, "That was my idea." But thanks, guys. You've like given me a lot yes. of shortcuts to some solutions now. But it's been really brilliant talking to you both. Thank you. Thank you as well to Katie and to. Sandy um, for doing the BSL interpretation as well. Thank you both. Thank you to Sean and Directors UK for having us all on board. I've totally enjoyed myself. It's absolutely whizzed by. Um, So thank you very much. And thanks to everyone who joined us. Thank you for having us. This podcast was recorded at a Directors UK member event. You can hear plenty more directors in conversation by subscribing on the usual streaming platforms. Follow us on social media and find out more about us at directors.uk.com.